Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is uh, Muliwa Gawaza, and for today, we do get into, you know, quite a, quite a bit of an interesting discussion. I feel like by this point, the words consumer pressure, um, you know, pressures on consumer, um, the hard time that, uh, you know, consumers are, you know, going after right now, it just seems as if it's one of those things uh, that is null and void, you know know at this point because you know we just keep talking about it i think uh i think earlier today about uh um, you know, literally an hour before we got into this session, um, I was uh, filling up at the at the petrol pump, and that came up quite a bit of an amount there. And it was uh, it was over uh, the twenty one rand, and I was actually thinking to myself, "Wow, you know, if we are suffering like this at twenty one rand, what if you know, we do find ourselves in a situation where fuel does get to that you know that twenty seven, that thirty rand mark? Um, you know, there where, where we end up." going to even 40 you know what does all of that end up meaning uh, but for now uh, we do get into you know a discussion uh, just around what all of it means and we've got Mamelo from FNB uh, who's going to be giving us uh, you know some insight um, into all of that Mamelo greetings to you today and um, hello to you and to all the listeners I think a good place for us to start is to maybe get a sense of um, when we talk about uh, when we talk about um, you know some of these uh, you know consumer indexes. What exactly are we talking about? Sure. So, so, so the the survey consumer confidence index is conducted quarterly, um, and it essentially provides a regular assessment of consumer attitudes and expectations. Um, that are used to evaluate economic trends and economic prospects. So the surveys are essentially designed to explore why changes in consumer expectations occur and how these changes influence consumer spending and saving decisions. So the FNB-BRCCI combines the results of three questions posed to adults in South Africa. Um, and these questions namely are the expected performance of the economy, um, the expected financial position of households, and the rating of the appropriateness of the present time to buy durable goods, such as furniture, appliances, and electronic equipment. So those are the three questions. So a, le- a low level of confidence um, indicates that consumers are concerned about the future. They may be worried about things such as job security, pay increases and bonus. And I think with such a frame of mind, consumers tend to cut spending to, to basic necessities, um, just a system to free up income for debt um, repayments. And if confidence is high, consumers um, tend to incur debt or reduce saving and increase their spending on discretionary items such as, you know, uh, furniture, household equipment, um, and, and semi-durable goods, you know, f- um, clothing and footwear. Um, you know, some of these items are often financed on credit. So spending on these items declines when confidence is low and as households can generally delay their purchases without actually experiencing an immediate deterioration in living conditions. So we've seen that the confidence has been in the negative territory for quite some time, which indicates that willingness um, to spend um, is significantly, significantly low. So an index level that's below zero is clearly an indication of low confidence and above zero. 
um, is that confidence is improving. So when we're looking at that, uh, you said negative 13 to negative 9. Um, what, does, what does that actually um, you know, tell us? Is there a delineation between positive and negative numbers generally uh, for the index? Um, or, or are we sort of, um, you know, because we're talking about negative 9 to negative uh, 13, and I know before that it was negative 9 to 10. Does it, does it mean things are worse? Does it mean things are good? Uh, what's the interpretation there? So, so, so yes, um, you, you are correct. So a negative number would indicate that um, consumers are less willing um, to spend money. So a negative number would essentially mean that consumers are less willing to spend money, whereas a positive would mean that consumers are feeling a little bit more upbeat um, about the economy and that could potentially translate into sales. Okay, cool. No, 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 no. That makes sense. So from, I, I guess, <laughs> what do you call this? When it comes to a time period, uh, from about what time are we looking at, uh, you know, some some of these things, maybe as a way to do the backward maths around some of the factors that have gone into, um, you know, these uh, specific consumer confidence index numbers? Sure. So as I said, the, the survey is conducted quarterly. And for this specific one, um, the survey was conducted between the 21st of February and the 4th of March. So that's quite important in the context of what we're seeing happening um, globally. Um, so Russia began a full-scale invasion of the Ukraine on the 24th of February. Um, and at that time, we also experienced an increase in the petrol price. Um, so all of these factors obviously contributed um, to consumer sentiment. Okay. No, 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 no. That makes sense. And how much of that, if I may ask, because we had, uh, you know, uh, one of your colleagues uh, talking to us, uh, it must have been the week before last, about how FNB is using a model where um, if, uh, fuel, if the price of oil is to go up to $150, then um, there, there's an expectation that fuel might touch 27 to 30 rand um, here in South Africa. How much of, um, you know, what, the, what, has, what was surveyed over that period has to do with pressure that consumers are feeling uh, specifically around transport and energy prices? Sure. So if we look at the breakdown of the consumer confidence index, um, you'll see when we look at it by income. So your higher income earners felt less optimistic about the economic outlook and the household financial outlook um, and whether the current time is suitable um, to buy a big ticket item. So those are your high income earners. So they were obviously impacted by the images and news um, you know, around Russia invading the Ukraine. And as I said, at that time, uh, we had petrol increases of a rand plus. Um, your low, lower earning consumers' um, expectations were not marked down as extensively as we saw, um, you know, high income earners and middle income earners uh, pull back um, their sentiment around the consumer. So that essentially says that um, the impact of the pending uh, petrol price increases hasn't, at the time that the survey was conducted, had not yet um, actually affected how low-income earners uh, perceive the economic outlook and their financial outlook. So as you know, we start to see petrol prices increasing, food prices also increasing. And as my colleagues would have probably elaborated on this podcast, um, you know, we expecting around two rand 
um, increase um, in April in the fuel price, that essentially is going to impact um, consumer um, consumers' income um, as they spend more money towards transportation. And probably in the third quarter, we'll start to see your low-income earners starting to pay back their expectations or you know their confidence levels of the economy. You know, Mamelo, I can imagine that as FNB's you know chief economist, you've probably seen a lot of cycles along the way, and you've probably been observing uh, this um, what you call the, the consumer confidence index for you know quite some time. The different cycles that we go through each quarter, etc. Does this, um, I guess, particular result that's come out, you know, the most recently, the negative nine to negative thirteen, is it particularly alarming? Um, you know, I guess within the greater context of looking at uh, at a wider trend, or you know, does it, uh, you know, because sometimes we we look at things in the now and we say things are bad right now, but relatively speaking, you know, over the time that you have been looking at something like this for, you know, are we really any worse? off um you know than um you know what we were because um if we're to speak you know um frankly uh, consumers in south africa have been under pressure for you know quite some time now so how does that look like and when someone is to you know take it you know from a trend point of view over a quite a long period of time sure so i mean if we look at the reading for the second quarter negative 13 index points so this is essentially the same level that was recorded in the second quarter of 2021. And that's important because that's when the social relief stress grant was temporarily um, discontinued. Um, and the latest reading remains well below the long run average of the CCI reading of um, positive two since um, 1994. And as you correctly mentioned, you know, consumers have been under significant amount of pressure for quite some time. Um, so this shows that there is a low willingness um, to spend uh, amongst uh, consumers. So, so, so I think yeah, when one looks at that long-term trend, you know, the levels that we we see in from the index are, are quite low. Yeah, I think that you know perhaps gives us a little bit of uh, a pause, um, you know, right there. Simply because I I think over the last couple of years, because things have been so bad, it's very easy to then think that this is simply just more bad um, that consumers are you know going after now. Uh, but one of the things that I noted in um, in the writing uh, that you guys put out recently is that there's some type of a distinction that you make when it comes to um, you know some of the affluent consumers and you know the pressures that they are feeling um could you talk to us just around how you know that i guess factors in right um is there delineation that's being made between different income groups and the types of pressures that are being felt or um would you say that universally there's a couple of things such as um fuel prices that are affecting all of us so so consumers are all asked the same three questions um, you know, the three that are highlighted, which would be your expected economic performance, expected household finances, and time to buy durable goods, big ticket items. Um, and what we're seeing is that your, your more affluent consumers have scaled back um, their expected household finances. And sometimes your middle to high income earners are influenced by what's happening um, in the stock market because you tend to see that they don't only receive 
disposable income from earnings from employment, but investments in the stock market. So if we see that the stock market is underperforming or sentiment in the market is also starting to deteriorate, those consumers um, tend to respond um, to, to, to that um, type of information more than you would see your low-income um, households um, respond. Your low-income households then respond more um, to, to pressures such as rising food costs, rising transportation costs, uh, but broadly, if the economy is underperforming, we tend to see um, the different households and the different income levels tapering back um, the expected performance um, of the economy. And time to buy durable goods, uh, buy big ticket items has actually been, um, you know, I think a, a fairly weak performer, performer over time. Um, you know, even when we started to see interest rates um, declining, consumers didn't show a significant improvement in their willingness to buy big, big ticket items. Um, as I said, you know, these items sometimes, not all the time, um, need to be financed, uh, for an example, by a bank or, you know, another financial institution. So there we're looking at items like cars. So essentially then consumers are saying, look, we're not feeling confident about the economy. And we certainly do not believe now that now is the right time to buy uh, big ticket items. So we've seen that index actually uh, performing um, relatively um, badly uh, compared to the other two questions that we asked. Now, and one of the things that I want to perhaps do is to zoom out a bit because, you know, um, usually when we talk about consumers, it's a, it's a, it's a microeconomic issue. But, um, when you do something like a, an index like this, I guess it gives you an idea of how the macroeconomic factors are, um, influencing, you know, the micro factors. Um, I wanted to maybe zoom out even more, you know, on that and to say, when you are looking at um, information like this, who ends up who ends up being the people that actually use the, this information? Um, because we can all read it, but um, on a practical everyday level, because I'm sure you are, you know, because of your position at F&B, you're probably engaging with clients, uh, whether they be in business and corporate, etc. Who's actually using these these insights, um, you know, to either change the way they do business, budgeting, whatever it is, you know, is it the businesses? Because as much as, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, learned consumers out there i'm not too you know sure how many ordinary south africans are sitting and saying okay fine consumer confidence index has gone from minus nine to minus 13 which means a b c and d so who do you find actually taking this information and actually using it to tweak um how they operate or do business i think that's a very important um question Medira. So the, 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 the index is essentially um, targeted at business. Whether you're a retailer, you are a bank, um, the central bank as well, when they announce the monetary policy decision, this would be one of the data points they look at. Um, for an example, um, how one can read this information to make business decisions. So let's say for an example, we are seeing, um, actually, let's just use the current information that we have right now. We're seeing that your high income earners are feeling less optimistic about the economy. They're feeling less optimistic about 
buying um, big ticket items and they're not feeling optimistic about their financial conditions. So as a retailer, um, it essentially means that consumers may be a bit more discerning in the purchasing decisions that they make. It may not show immediately, but over time you'll see that confidence is weighing on the consumer's willingness um, to buy an item. Um, another example would be if you were thinking um, of buying a house, for an example, Madura, and you are not sure whether right now makes sense for you to purchase a house because you're not feeling too confident um, about your own position over the next 12 months. As banks and financing houses think about origination of credit, this would then be an important input into their strategy. So they would need to take this into consideration. The central bank would use the same information uh, because if consumers are feeling depressed, it means that they're going to spend less. It means that demand in the economy is going to be quite weak. So as they deliberate on whether to increase interest rates or not, and they see that demand in the economy is quite weak, it means that demand pull inflation will probably remain muted for quite some time. And that's very important in sort of their deliberations, that if there's weak demand in the economy, it essentially means increasing interest rates excessively would not make sense because consumers are not out there, um, um, you know, spending money and, um, you know, stimulating the economy and price pressures increasing on the back of that. So this information is then used, um, we hope, um, to to us to help businesses, the central bank, um, assess um, the 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 underlying drivers of the economy as they implement these strategies. Yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, it's an interesting one to see, and especially whatever insights you can get um, into how people are feeling, um, you know, on the ground as a way to tweak, um, you know, your strategy and also the monetary policy side, um, you know, for the for the monetary policy committee and the South African Reserve Bank. Very, very important insights um, there. Uh, but as we are sort of uh, inching towards the end of the discussion, uh, Mamelo, your thoughts just around um you know what's going on um in the in the wider economy um because you are fmb's chief economist i'm pretty sure that you have um a lot of research that is coming you know um coming to your desk and you know a lot of insight that you're able to to gauge what is the general feeling um you know at least within your team um around where things are going because you know these things that are happening right now um, I guess there's a bunch of ways that it can be sliced. But for example, um, when it comes to something like uh, like fuel prices, right, we can be grumbling that fuel prices have gone up, especially if people tasted the life where fuel was 12 rand once upon a time, especially during hard lockdown. And you say it's now 2160 and it could rise to 24, 25, 27 just depending on where things are going. On the one hand, someone could be like, well, that's going to, um, that's going to discourage, um, economic activity. But, you know, more often than not, things like this, people will still need to go to work. Uh, businesses will still need to transport their goods, etc. And, uh, I, I guess the question is more around, does, you know, all of these factors, do they act more as, um, discouraging factors from economic activities or do we just see, 
a maintenance of the same level of economic activity but at higher cost which then leads to that higher inflation that's yeah that's that's a great question so i think maybe if we take a step back um so we we had this massive um hit to the global economy um in 2020 um 2021 in 2020 we saw the south african economy contract um quite significantly um and a rebound was experienced in 2021 globally um we saw that monetary policy and fiscal policy so support to the economy was quite extensive especially in the developed markets you know fiscal policy monetary policy was relatively loose to support those economies and to support um the recovery we find ourselves today in 2022 as we are on this road of recovery um which has its challenges um we we are then now hit by this conflict um in the ukraine which has seen oil prices um increase quite significantly and has massive implications um for 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 for, for the cost of um essential commodities such as oil um and this will essentially erode um consumers um ability to purchase as you know petrol prices increase and they allocate a bit more money towards petrol uh, prices um the other commodity is wheat um and and fertilizers which essentially threatens um food prices coming into this year food prices were already elevated so now we're seeing that um concerns about supply globally um has essentially meant that you know food inflation will probably remain elevated towards the um the end of the first half of this year and then start to moderate but it will be moder- moderating of a relatively high base on top of that we seeing that this um loose accommodation of you know monetary policy is starting to be withdrawn from the system as inflation globally remains quite elevated so central banks are saying okay we need to now pull the stimulus to try and contain um inflation and they're doing this by increasing interest rates locally we saw that our central bank last year started to um increase interest rates and when they make their decision on thursday we expect them to continue on that path so you have a consumer that's feeling pressure from increasing costs um of living and then now interest rates are starting um to increase so that's the one end i think the other end is that the conflict um in the in the ukraine as we saw last year so south africa benefited quite a bit from um commodity prices that are increasing which um you know boded well for mining companies in south africa so we're looking at you know platinum um last year and this year same story platinum coal those commodities are doing fairly well meaning that revenue from those companies will probably exceed target meaning that the forecast that national treasury had put down in terms of revenue collection the outcome would be higher than what they anticipated why is that important it sort of tries to 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 balance out this negative shock that we've seen that from our income statement you know our trade of terms are going to look slightly better but if we look at um the demand side of the economy that will probably be uh weaker than what we had anticipated coming into the into the year So as F&B when we look at these factors we've we've pulled back slightly our growth expectation for for this year um more specifically we think that the consumer is going to scale back um a little bit 
but the terms of trade. So as I said, um, you know, the current account that's looking much better will probably provide some level of support um, to the economy, meaning that even if we do see the economy um, grow at a slightly slower play- pace than what we had anticipated at the beginning of the year. So, 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 so this information was, it was quite critical. So then the question then becomes, if, you know, National Treasury um, its targets are better um, than what they had anticipated, does it give them an opportunity to provide some sort of relief or cushioning um, to the consumer? Because unfortunately, you know, the impact of, of this conflict and increase in commodity prices hits your low-income earners more. And that's just the reality. So there is, I think, a collective responsibility uh, from people that run businesses right through to the fiscus to really think innovatively about, um, you know, how do we support your, 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 your low-income earners or those that are really feeling the brunt of this impact. Uh, but unfortunately, there's this shock now that's going to impact um, consumers' um, ability to, to become even more active um, in the economy. But I think there are levers that could potentially be used to help uh, your low-income earners. Um, I li- I really like you know where you were going, and for a moment I thought you were reading my mind because um, I was going to literally ask you know what type of wiggle room you know there is um, for for government to come in um, and help out um, when it comes to easing consumer pressure. Uh, but I guess the. I guess we can then focus on the collective responsibility, um, and, you know, that you highlighted just now, because um, it's always easy for us to go directly to government to say that, um, you know, surely they can come in, uh, whether it's... Uh, I think some of the conversations that people are having out there is things like reducing uh, levies on taxes so that, uh, you know, prices of fuel don't go up that much, um, you know, making sure that interest rates are kept at a decent rate, you know, just so that you ease some of that pressure, uh, you know, maybe even increasing uh, some of that uh, social spending that you that you highlighted earlier on the 350 rand, you know, increasing some of that to give people more money on hand um, to be able to take care of uh, you know, their day-to-day expenses, but also at the same time, switching over to the private sector, um, you know, some of those stronger balance sheets that you're talking about, the companies that did benefit uh, or the ecosystems of companies that did benefit from some of those higher commodity prices, uh, the fact that even though the last two years um, were a crisis, there were a number of businesses and operations that did do well, uh, you know, during that time. Um, the, I guess the question is just around how do how does one ensure um, um, that there is that, um, you know, where does the buck stop? You know, do we simply just leave everything on government's shoulders or, you know, should something, um, some type of a mandate be put on businesses to also, you know, you know, do their part, use some of the flexibility and resilience that they've gained in their balance sheets over the last two years to be able to give um, some of those, uh, some of, pass on some of those benefits, um, you know, to the consumer, particularly uh, the low-income groups that you're saying are particularly vulnerable right now. So I think, I mean, for, from our point, we, as I said, as, if commodity prices remain at the current levels or they 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 improve, um, really it means that you know um, the revenue collected by by government in terms of the expectations relative to the expectations, um, you know, could be a hundred billion plus. 
Um, but we know that, you know, the finance minister will only make adjustments to the budget, um, probably in the NTPS in October, um, also, um, and then maybe again in February the following year. Um, so there's this huge space, you know, um, before government can do anything. So I think it is quite essential um, that, as I said, collective, collectively, um, you know, something is done to to assist um, uh, your low incoming, your low income earning groups. But I think also what is quite critical to this conversation that perhaps we didn't touch on is just the, the state of the labor market in South Africa. We know that the pandemic caused a lot of people to lose jobs. Um, so we live in a state where the cost of living has increased quite significantly. Unemployment is probably at you know historical highs, um, and we haven't really seen um, you know any 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 anything significant in terms of you know creating jobs or allowing businesses um, to function better and you know open up the labor market. So that is going to be quite critical as we speak about support. So support in this time is quite critical because of this shock. But I think ultimately we need to also solve for the underlying structural constraint, which is significantly high unemployment um, in South Africa. So we may have the short-term commodity assistance, but it's not a cycle, right? Um, and that's quite important that we're not in a commodity boom cycle. Um, commodities have increased because of this global shock. So providing support over a long period of time then obviously becomes unsustainable. So we really need to speak about the elephant in the room, which is how does the economy create jobs and how do we creatively think about innovating in the space? Because we know that all of the interventions that have been tried and tested haven't really worked. Um, so I really think that you know South Africa needs to very quickly um, Think about, you know, how do we structure the economy in such a way that more and more people are absorbed in the labor market? Um, and we support the informal sector because we know that that sector um, can also can, can be a great creator of, of jobs. If we actually want to see the South African economy over the long term grow towards or above potential. So that's been it. Very, you know, fascinating discussion. We're talking to uh, Mamelo Matikinka Nguenya, who is uh, the chief economist over at FNB. Um, we started off the conversation getting into um, the FNB BER consumer index. Um, and uh, she was just giving us insight into how uh, that has declined, uh, you know, from uh, minus nine to minus 13 index points in the first quarter of 2022. And, uh, we related that, you know, over time, what does it mean um, when uh, one looks at it in the broader sense, um, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, where does, um, you know, South Africa actually lie? At the moment, you know, some of the big things that are weighing down on consumers are uh, those higher oil prices and this Russia-Ukraine crisis, um, inflation fears, all of that is working, you know, to a situation where, um, you know, consumers find themselves a little bit worse, uh, more worse off, um, but especially 
for uh, low income groups. Uh, she's uh, talking about the fact that um, you do see that there, you know, as uh, as one of the big things that's, uh, you know, distinguishing to say that as much as everyone is feeling the pressure, it's the most vulnerable in the economy uh, that are taking the heaviest hit and the heaviest brunt. Uh, but as we take a step back, uh, one of the big things that she's advocating for is that um, there is this collective responsibility of making sure that everyone does come to the party to try and help, um, you know, consumers and businesses, small businesses in one way or another, because, you know, they're always winners and losers. But uh, from a collective point of view, um, you know, we need to all help each other just so that um, Team South Africa or the country as a whole um, can find itself on better footing, particularly at these times that are um that are waging you know very tough time on consumer pockets around the world it's not only people in south africa that are feeling um these pressures um so something just needs to be done internally um so that all of the external factors you know we can minimize um a lot of that um uh, a lot of those uh, negative impacts so momelo thank you so much for being with us today thank you thank you amadine This is Take. Cost push inflation is a concept in economics where um, if input prices uh, for certain business processes go up, then it means that the overall price to produce certain goods and services also goes up and that usually results in prices going up for consumers. Now, one of the things that tends to happen is that it's very easy for businesses to find themselves in such a situation and pass on these costs to consumers but what tends to be a little bit more rare is a situation where businesses look at uh, some of the benefits that they derive in the market for example higher commodity prices as we've seen um, you know South Africa benefiting um, on on a number of different fronts and then passing some of those cost savings and cost benefits that they would have had um, you know in the market onto consumers right very rarely does that actually happen you know on the ground but I do think think where we find ourselves you know it is that situation where um you know to use the term collective responsibility um once again you know comes into play this is the one time especially just given uh what's been going on over the years where uh businesses you know should be encouraged to come to the table um when it comes to some of these things and uh actually helping out consumers uh because a lot of people are going through the most right now small businesses consumers even um, you know, some of the corporates themselves, because let's not forget that corporates themselves are made up um, of consumers. It's consumers that are that fill the ranks um, of large businesses, large corporates, etc. So just empathizing even with the people uh, that make up your ranks uh, probably would go a long way um, to helping the country, I guess, ease some of the pressures uh, that consumers are are facing at the moment because as we said during the discussion very easy to always turn to and go to government uh, because that's what they're that's what they're seen to do but these are unusual uh, times we saw a lot of uh, private entities coming to the party during COVID-19 where that was allowing people to to stay home uh, fundraising for PPE uh, some of the vaccination drives that have been happening etc so really good examples have already been set 
and it would be just good to see uh, some of these things continuing you know uh just one last time um you know as we you know as we get uh, as we get over this hump and one hopes because uh the economy is cyclical the one hopes that where we are right now that we are finding ourselves in a situation where at least that we are at uh, you know at the bottom of the trough and at least we can start moving and inching upwards um you know from this point forward because so much is going on so many pressures and um you know consumers out there just need help And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.